Welcome to Locked On Heat. On today's show, we continue our exit interview series with Justice Winslow. We'll review Winslow's season and what we expect out of him next year. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for the Step Back, and I write for the Miami Heat Step-Off magazine. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. I'm David Ramillo, credentialed NBA writer who's covered the Heat for SB Nation and allyoucaneat.com. I cover the league at large for fansided, and you can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRamil13. We are continuing our exit interview series. They all follow the same basic format where we talk about one player per show, review his season with some pros and cons, and then answer some key questions about his future. Today we're looking at Justice Winslow. So let's start with the pros, David. I think obviously when we're talking about Justice Winslow, the, the, the starting place is is his defense. And he indeed did have the best defense. The Heat had the best defensive rating while Justice Winslow was on the court, uh, a rating of 102.1, which would rank right up there with among the best defenses of the regular season. Um, and they they had the biggest swing when he was off the court. In fact, they went from a defensive rating of 102.1, which would be considered elite, um, to 105.4, which was still not bad, but not nearly as elite, just about average, above average probably. Yeah, I, I think there were some concerns after he, he missed most of the, the second season of his NBA career that maybe he not he might not be able to demonstrate some of that elite level defense that we saw from him as a rookie when he had that impressive ring. I mean, I, I know everybody kind of brings that up when they talk about Justice's defense, but it, it bears repeating. He had that really impressive run against James Harden, Paul George, and LeBron mm-hmm. James almost in consecutive games over that, a, sh- a very short span of time. And he didn't necessarily lock them down, but he harassed the hell out of all of them and made things difficult for them on the offensive end. And that was the kind of thing that we expected to see as a sophomore took a step back, I think, as he was carrying a, a bigger load than he had anticipated with the, the loss of Dwayne Wade in free agency to Chicago. That seems almost like an eternity ago. So I think this third year now was kind of him trying to get a little bit acclimated, figure out his place again. And, and you know, he did play defense in spurts, I think. We didn't see him be the consistent lockdown defender that we were hoping he'd be. But at the same time, when he was engaged, when he was ready to shut somebody down, he really could c- carry himself and, and, and guard almost anybody. Interestingly enough, and look, defensive metrics are are flawed at best. But um, you know, he did have he did po- he posted his best defensive box plus minus according to Basketball Reference uh, this season at one one point seven, which was better than his um, the same stat in his rookie year of one point six. And like you mentioned, his sophomore year a little bit of a slump, um, the lowest of his career at one point two. So definitely bounced back in in year three here. Uh, this is a guy who. Can guard multiple positions, plays multiple positions, right? We've seen him line up at point guard, um, seen him line up at small forward, power forward. Uh, he is a guy who could play center, though didn't do that as much this last season. Um, but can guard all of them. I mean, he could switch across. The, the Heat don't play a switching style of defense, but there are times where, you know, in transition or because, you know, certain screens and matchups dictate it, that Justice Winslow can end up on any player uh, or any position that the uh, um, on an opponent. And he's he's able to hold his own for the most part against really any kind of player, size, speed, or otherwise. He has the skill set to stay there. Um, but I think the biggest thing for Winslow, as far as um, new developments, is that he was had his best three point shooting uh, season of his career by far. Shot thirty eight percent 
this season. Granted, it was on less than you know two, um, less than two three-point attempts per game. It was 1.9, but still 38% compared to 20% last year on roughly the same amount of attempts. A tremendous uh, uh, improvement in that regard. Absolutely, I, I think uh, we were dreading, uh, you know, Winslow's shooting. That you know, it obviously had been something that he had to work on. We saw him go through those. Uh, you know, the shooting mechanics as a sophomore and, and kind of having to practice, we'd heard that there was a shooting coach that was working with him, um, you know, and, and we weren't quite sure. We didn't see that finished or polished product in his second year. But in his third year, at least there was a comfortable rhythm. There were moments there when he was really, really smooth on the catch and release where it, it, he didn't give it any thought and there was no questioning it. No, complete and total confidence in a shot. And especially for the corners where he was very accurate, I feel. And, and you know, he was just, you know, he was he was really, really solid as a shooter. And it tapered off a little bit, you know, obviously, as you pointed out, is, you know, not putting up a lot of shots. Uh, but he started off the, the, the middle of the season and, he, you know, in December and January, shot 50% from three-point range, which is very, very impressive for both months. And then, like I said, it tapered off a little bit in February, picked up again in March. And then, you know, he didn't shoot much in April, unfortunately. But, the, you know, I think that's something that we can see. We've, we've seen enough of that where we think that that's going to be a permanent part of his repertoire going forward. 40% on corner threes this season compared to 28% last season. Yeah. Tremendous improvement Absolutely. from the corner, which is huge. Um, and look, I think you mentioned the shooting coach, right? And he had had that shooting coach basically since he entered the league. Uh, we really started hearing about that after his rookie year. And we didn't really see it in his sophomore year. Of course, he was injured for a lot. But even when he was playing, we didn't really see that improvement. There, there's, I think at some point this season there was an inflection point right and, and it seems like maybe those lessons and that that work started to set in because you're right he looked a lot less hesitant to take the shots look and it just looked smoother there wasn't that hitch that he that he was dealing with uh, as a rookie particularly he had that hitch in his jumper right. that kind of went away it, it just looks much better absolutely uh, and then additionally on offense he showed that he can handle some backup point guard duties Miami went into the season without a typical backup point guard there was you know, it could have been Tyler Johnson off the bench. You know, we thought that um, Deion Waiters, it, had had he been healthy, would have dealt with a lot of ball handling responsibilities. But with Waiters getting injured and Tyler Johnson having to slide over to the starting two-guard spot as opposed to coming off the bench as a combo guard, Justice Winslow had to handle a lot of responsibilities as that backup point guard. And, and he not only held it down, so to speak, but thrived in some situations, was even better when the ball was in his hands on the offensive end. Yeah, I'm going to hold off on talking about Winslow at point guard because I think that's best safe for later on in this conversation. But uh, absolutely, mm. it does show some of that playmaking ability that you and I have talked about for a number of years. You know, we, we, we you know talk with him right before his second year uh, when, when he was in summer league. We talked with Jawan Howard about his expectations of justice and, and you know him being the playmaker. We didn't see a lot of that his rookie season. There wasn't a need for it. With Goran Dragic there, with Chris Bosh there for half the season, with Dwayne Wade holding the ball as much as he does. And we remember you know, Mario Charmels was there. Norris Cole was there. They had a pretty full complement of ball handlers. Um, Winslow wasn't asked to do that. Uh, and then that kind of became the role by default as a sophomore because, you know, again, Wade's absence, some moves were made and that kind of fell on him. And then all of a sudden we didn't really, you know, obviously that tapered off a little bit. He got hurt. And then this third year we were expecting that to be the case. So let's let's hold off on that part of the discussion, at least from my perspective, and then move on to the cons. What do you think were the, the worst things that we saw from Justice this year? 
this was overall it was an up year for Justice Winslow. So you know, I, I was trying to think of the cons, and now and this is just going to sound nitpicky, right? Because I think overall I feel good about the year he had, yeah. but he did only average seven point eight points per game, which was not. It, it's kind of underwhelming for a guy who was formerly the tenth pick in the draft and who averaged in only eighteen games last season, but did average ten point nine points per game last year. Um, and it's only slightly up from his rookie season of 6.4. So the scoring isn't there. You'd like to see a little bit more aggressiveness, and, and there are games where he is very aggressive. You'd like to see that more on a consistent basis. Absolutely. Um, and so that 7.8 points per game is just, it, again, it's just a little underwhelming. Yeah, no, I mean, again, I don't know that he's necessarily expected to be the the go to score he's a complimentary scorer and playmaker and things of that sort and and you know we'd want him to be a little bit more aggressive because we feel that he has the kind of skills where he could take advantage of his size his athleticism and and be a more dominant scorer but I think he's still just trying to get into that comfort rhythm finding his place on the team I think that was a little bit upset by one the the absence of Dion Waiters you know you, you kind of expect Dion to hold that role for much of the year then he gets hurt early on then Dwayne Wade comes back and that changes things yet again so I, I think he's still trying to figure out where his place on this team is and that's been the, the case I think for the first three years to be honest with you like you know we saw that change in his second year his mm-hmm. first year he was the rookie and he was like he knew he could contribute on defense so that was what was expected of him and he certainly uh, ad- adapted to that role and then now in this third year he's, he's taking another evolutionary step but he's showing I think a much fuller diverse repertoire of moves offensively and I think that's what we can expect to see from him moving forward and we saw him start to finish at the rim at a higher uh, efficiency rate towards the end of the year when he struggled with that at the beginning of the year. I mean, this is a guy who shot only 42.4% from the field, so still not good. Only made about three out of his 7.2 shots per game on average. So you'd like to see that get better. You know, as we, we saw the three-point shot get better, if he could consistently finish at the basket. And again, we saw him get better, and he looked like he was getting healthier and in better condition towards the end of the season, so I think that was a part of it. But, you know, if he's... You'd like to see him average around 11 points a game. We, we compare him a lot to a guy like Draymond Green, and that's right where Draymond is, right? At, he's he's not a great shooter by any stretch. He's a 30% three-point shooter, about a 45% um, field goal percentage for his this last season on just below nine attempts per game. So if Winslow is, you know, take an extra attempt per game, finish at a little bit of a higher rate over the course of the season, and I think you can easily see that get up to, to 10 or 11 points per game. Um, as far as other cons, his steals per game were down. Again, nitpicky. What from 1.4 steals uh, per game last season to 0.8. Now, small sample size last year, but he also averaged slightly more steals as a rookie too. So, kind of just goes with the aggression there. You know, you'd like to see him jump those passing lanes a little bit more and, and become more of a factor there, and that would create easier offense for him as well. And I, and I think we saw more of that when Wade came to the team, um, and it's particularly from Josh Richardson. We saw a little bit of it from Winslow. But he just seems like a guy who, who kind of takes pride in being able to body up an, uh, an offensive player. Uh, like he just wants to be able to move his feet, stay with him, and make a shot difficult or, or you know limit a pass, not necessarily go for a turnover. But in today's league, you know, you look at a team like the Warriors, you look at a team like the Rockets, um, you know, you want to be able to force turnovers because then that ignites the offense on the other end. Just being able to hold somebody down and make things difficult for them as they over dribble the ball. 
that's not necessarily going to prevent a, a scoring opportunity because they could always dish it to somebody who's open. It kills the clock. It slows the pace down. And although that plays in Miami's strength somewhat, you also expect them to be able to change that. I think they have enough players on this roster that could benefit from playing at a faster pace. And so mm-hmm. I think that, that it behooves Winslow to change his, his methodology a little bit. And then just to finish this up, didn't get to the line quite as much as you'd like. Only one and a half three, uh, free throw attempts per game. Yeah. You'd like to see him, again, as he's getting to the rim more, taking a few more shots, getting a little bit more aggressive. We expect that that should probably go up. If, if it, that's, that's, the sort, that's the sort of stat that can improve if he, if he improves the rest of these things that we're talking about. But what does he have to work on this summer, David? I, I think, um, you know, more more aggression at that point guard position. To be honest with you, I think he needs to embrace that role. I, I would actually personally prefer to see him as a starting point guard moving forward. I think when mm. you look at the league, the way it's changed, um, looking at versatility across the board, when you see rosters like the Warriors or the Rockets that has so many different players that can change and pick up different positions offensively and defensively, you know, can switch on defense, etc. When you look at Cleveland's lack of wing depth uh, going against the Warriors in the finals, and you look at Miami and they don't really take advantage of the kind of versatility they have in their roster, I'd like to see more of that and set the pace a little bit more. I think Winslow at the point creates mismatches for everybody else. You look at a team like the Warriors, let's say. Steph Curry can't guard Winslow. As good as he is at being a ball hawk and and, and disrupting those passing lanes, I I don't think that Steph Curry could handle the physicality of a guy like Winslow. And so I think you could see Winslow, if he was a better, more confident ball handler, I think he'd be a guy who could create a lot of mismatches as a starting point guard for this team. Similar to what Ben Simmons is doing for Philadelphia. You got it. Um, I, I, I love that. I still, I'm not sure that putting, putting all the dominoes in the Justice Winslow at point guard basket is the right thing to do here. Mm. That's been a while since we used that, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> dominoes in the basket. I think a lot of listeners are like, what the hell is that? It's the wrong, wrong saying. Well, unless you've been listening um, for years, in which case, if not, go back and listen to those past podcasts from the last <laughs> couple of years. Back when we were the heat check. Right. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure that that's quite the right move. I'm not, I'm not convinced, you know, obviously. I don't think you're you're saying this, but you, I don't think the Heat would go into the season and just trade Goran Dragic and Dion Waiters and, and just basically do that. Put, you know, bet on Justice Winslow being able to handle the point guard duty because there would be no backup option if he weren't able to do it. I still think that maybe for now it's, he's best being the secondary ball handler, maybe, you know, getting getting the ball on a short roll and then facilitating there again, similar to what Draymond Green does for the Warriors. Um, but I'd like to see him again more at that point guard spot handling that. I'd be okay with him just being the backup point guard. I wouldn't have no problem with that if that were his role. If he was just this positionless player who, you know, played backup point guard on offense and then was essentially just, you know, your your swing man defender, you know, or even your backup center on defense. Um, he's a guy who's really versatile and I'd like to see the Heat take uh, better advantage of that. So, look, uh, we saw Justice Winslow take a step in the playoffs. We haven't talked about that yet, but we'll talk about that next when we come back after this break. Back with Locked On Heat against the Sixers in the playoffs, Justice Winslow showed a side of him we hadn't seen before. He was fiery, competitive, borderline dirty, David, and I loved it. Do you think we'll continue to see this from Justice Winslow next regular season? I don't know. I, I don't know if the stakes are necessarily high enough and during the course of the regular season for him to understand what's at stake there and, and, and you know to play to that same kind of level. It's difficult to maintain that kind of burning edge 
um, for, for that long a period of time. So I'm not sure that we'll see that. More to the point, though, I think the conversation that should be had over the offseason is, is informing Winslow that we think he's a centerpiece of this team or whether or not he wants to embrace that role. And if he does, then this is the opportunity for him. Like, this is as good as it's going to get. Either he has to be able to prove that he is a long-term foundational piece for this team or it's time for the team possibly to cut bait and maybe move him in a trade. Uh, you know, I think you need to... You saw enough from him. You've seen enough versatility. You've seen bits and pieces, flashes of aggression. Now it's time for him to put that package together because there is faith from the front office and the organization and what Winslow can do. And I think they, he just needs to be able to say, you know what, I, I can be the star of this team. And I don't know that he has that level of confidence. I think he's he's you know deferred to superstar talent on this team before. He's tried to figure out that role. It's been difficult. And I understand as a 23-year-old 20, now, it, it's a challenge for him. Um, it's not easy for any 23-year-old to figure out their place in the universe, much less uh, on a team like the Miami Heat. But he needs to he needs to take that step. And I think part of that is understanding his role, understanding what he can and can't do, and, and being able to embrace being the star of this team. I don't, um, I don't know what that looks like with Justice because he's never going to be the leading scorer on a team. Why not? And I, I just don't think that's in his makeup. And not because... I, I think he is more impactful in other ways. And I, I think that his... I shouldn't say he'll never be the leading scorer for a team, but he should not ever be the leading scorer for a competitive team. I just, again, he's just not that natural scorer. I think there's other guys who should and can be doing that while Justice Winslow is playing that secondary role. Okay. Uh, a support role. He, he's a he's a high-level role player. And, and, that, and I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. So... I, I, but I want him to embrace that, and I want, and that's why I asked about the competitiveness, that fieriness. Because if you're not going to be the 20 points per game score, then you've got to be maybe like the heart and soul of the team. We look at a guy who is above him right now in the depth chart, and James Johnson, mm-hmm. and who was elected team captain last season. And in many ways, he's sort of just standing in Justice Winslow's way. And I, I think that the Heat, you're right, they've seen a lot from him right now. But if I'm going to fault the coaching staff in this organization for anything, I don't think they have shown faith in Justice Winslow. I think that's why they offered just, uh, a guy like James Johnson that long extension. I think that's why they have, are continued to bring Winslow off the bench and, and change his role. I think that they need to settle into something, lean into Justice Winslow and what he does well, and really empower him to be that fiery competitor, MF, competitive mf that he was stomping on Joel Embiid's uh, goggles in the playoffs. I love that. I want to see more of that. If Winslow's not going to lead your team with scoring, I think he needs to lead his, the team with intensity. And that goes, and, and that'll, that, that kind of folds everything into what he, he's able to do on the defensive end, what he's able to do when he gains energy and momentum with the ball in his hands on the offensive end. I want to see this whole thing. And yeah, it's a lot to expect that out of anybody for 82 games, but I want to see it more. I want to see it often, and I want to be able to expect it from him. I loved it in the playoffs. I love seeing him with that sort of intensity against the Sixers, and it, it, it has me hopeful for what, again, I, I, said, I made this, this comparison before. It felt like he's found his voice. Like, it really did. It feels like in that series, he really found his, his voice of, of the kind of player he'll be in the NBA, and if that's so... I'm really excited for what that looks like uh, next season. I have to agree. I mean, it was – I've been down on Winslow, as many of our long-term listeners will know, and uh, I, I didn't know that he had that uh, capacity. Yeah, I didn't think he had that level to him. And, and to, for him to show it the way he did, uh, you know, with the exception of maybe Dwayne Wade, I don't know that any player 
in the playoffs mm. cared as much from my for Miami as Justice did, and he showed that. Uh, you know, obviously, you're not going to get that out of Hassan Whiteside. You know, Dion being uh, injured. Um, he, he's a guy who could provide a lot of fiery edge to him as well. But Winslow did it, and and that was something that I wasn't expecting. And he he embraced the challenge. Um, he took you know Ben Simmons head on. Uh, did a great job defending him. Uh, you know was was willing to embrace that challenge, and and that was something that I didn't expect either. And and look, I mean that was phenomenal. And I and I'm hoping as you are that he'll he'll be able to duplicate that. Uh, and I think the team needs him to do so as well, whether it's coming off the bench or as a starter or whatever position he might be playing. If he's out there playing with that kind of edge uh, and, and psyching guys up and being more comfortable in his role as a vocal leader, and that's tough. I, I just don't see him being that kind of vocal pl- player or person, period. But maybe he's able to show it a little bit more through his play. And I think that'll be a, a kind of trickle down effect as far as being a, a more inspirational force in that locker room. And for what it's worth, I mean, that's the kind of player he was at Duke. You know, I don't know about the whole vocal leadership in the locker room. It's impossible to know that. But um, he was a fiery, I keep using that word fiery, competitive, energetic kind of guy when he was in his one season at Duke. And then he gets to the NBA. And maybe there is like a feeling out point when he gets to the league. And then that second year, it was cut short by injury. And maybe this is, I think this really is more of what his comfort, real self sort of is as opposed to, you know, the more um, cautious maybe player that we saw as a rookie, which again, if you're a rookie in the NBA, playing alongside guys like Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh on the heels of LeBron James leaving only a couple seasons before that, I understand why you might be a little um, trepidatious going into that situation. But look, Winslow's going to be going into his fourth season, the final year of his rookie contract. We'll talk about what his role on the team specifically should be and if Miami should offer him that rookie scale extension when we come back after this break. Back with Locked On Heat, Winslow played power forward, small forward, backup point guard all this season. The Heat have had a hard time figuring out just what he is throughout his career, but they need to, and this is going to be an important year for doing that. So when it comes down to it, we've talked about it a little bit, but what role should Justice Winslow play next season? Let's start with, I want to start specifically with if he should be in the starting lineup next year. I, I think I think he should. I, I really do. I think, you know, either you're going to plateau or if you're not going to be able to make a huge move via free agency or via trade this summer, um, you need to find something that gives you an edge over the other teams in the league or that creates mismatches that you can exploit. And I think for that, you'd want him to be in the starting lineup because he does have that elite level athleticism and speed at such a, a big, tall, and long body. And I think to have him in the starting lineup, again, preferably as a starting point guard, creates those mismatches that he can take advantage. I mean, imagine guys like Kemba Walker or Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. And I know that they, they force switches, but that's the name of the game, though, right? I mean, we see that with Golden State and Houston all the time. I mean, look at what, what lineup worked best for the Rockets with P.J. Tucker ostensibly playing the center position and Clint Capella forced out of the game. As good as Capella's been, uh, you know, their best lineups probably had Ariza and Tucker at the center position. And so... Uh, that changes things around and having a guy like Winslow can create those different lineups. You know, uh, you see it in Golden State, you see it, you know, from other teams as well. And I think that's the, uh, the best opportunity for Miami to show. Now you want to, that might be a little narrow minded, perhaps it might be a little bit more to, um, you know, in the norm as far as what the, where, how the league is trending currently and maybe not looking far enough in the future. But for now, I think that is your best bet is to kind of embrace that versatility uh, and, and switchability and, and put the best player at that position to do so. And that's Winslow. I could not agree more Ooh. with what you're saying. I mean, it's, 
I, I really do think that the Heat need to not only start Justice Winslow, but really lean into what he does well, what what his peers do well. When you look at a guy, like, what, is, what the future of the Heat is, is a bunch of guys who can switch multiple positions. If you just look at the the, the triumvirate, as I like to call them, Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, Bam Adebayo, those are three guys who could switch basically every position, right? And so I would like to see them really go in... Going, this this was not a switching team this last season, and if we've learned anything from the playoffs, switching teams right now succeed more than not switching teams. We saw the Toronto Raptors finish with you know one of the best records in the NBA and get swept by the Cleveland Cavaliers right. because they weren't able to switch mostly. I mean, Cleveland just they they went small with a lineup we've seen a billion times with Kevin Love at center, and Toronto had no answer for it right. for a lineup they've seen a million times because they don't switch and they don't have the personnel to switch and. And in the playoffs, it's, it seems to be the case that that is what the elite teams are doing. Houston, you mentioned P.J. Tucker being able to play center. I mean, they have a bunch of long wings who can move across positions. James Harden, not the best defender, but a guy who can switch into the post and is an underrated post defender because of just of his size um, and strength. I think that the Heat do need to lean into that, adapt a switching style of defense next year. That does mean getting rid of Hassan Whiteside. He does not fit that. Right. I think you know other guys, even like Deion Waiters and Goran Dragic, can handle their own yes. a little bit. We've seen plenty of players. They're, they're they're above. They have above average size at their position. Deion Waiters is actually a pretty good uh, defender under the rim, and so. I think that they have the personnel to do it. They just need to do it. And and Spolstra, he's never been a switching style guy. I think he's always he's been more of that blitz and help. We we think back to those big three Heat. It's been more of that. But I'd like to see him get a little bit more with the times, and and adapt that style of defense because Justice Winslow would be perfect in that. And, and again, it wouldn't. We it would also solve that problem, right? Of trying to determine what position Justice Winslow is. It wouldn't matter. He would just. He would be all the positions. Everybody would be all the positions. Justice Winslow would be able to defend every position, and then you can have him as a primary and secondary ball handler on offense, depending on what the team looks like next season. So what would be your ideal starting lineup? Uh, for me, I think Justice would start, Dion would start, Josh Richardson would start, James Johnson would start, and I think, honestly, I think Bam Adebayo would be the best starting "Quote unquote center." That would be that. I would I agree with that. And as far as that would be the best defensive lineup, I think Miami could have. I mean, James Johnson, another guy who you're who you've got kind of locked in long term. Um, you could probably move him if you really wanted to this year, but I really see no reason not reason to do that if you're able to uh, shoehorn Winslow into the starting lineup. But um, yeah, I think that works. I mean, you could even put Dragic and Deion Waiters this place, and that would work as well too. I mean, give you a little bit more consistency on the offensive end. Preferably, I'd like to see them make a move and go get, you know, a more dynamite offensive point guard who can sort of handle the offense and, and be your lead scorer. Um, maybe that's Deion Waiters if he's healthy next year. But uh, and, and then you play that guy next to Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow, James Johnson, and Bam Adebayo. I think that could be a tremendous defensive unit. And then you continue to bring Kelly Olynyk off the bench um, and as, like, as well. a super sub. I think that works, too. Yeah, if Dragic is there, I mean, I think if they were able to get maybe a, if you're able to upgrade Dragic, maybe you're able to put Dragic and another player together and upgrade the point guard position. I don't know who that, I don't know what the name is. I don't know if it's a, somebody like a CJ McCollum or a John Wall or something like that. Yeah, but then but, that kind of goes um, against what we're talking about as far as the versatility and switchability there. He he would be he would be the player that would get you know targeted on on yeah. defense, you know. I mean, I look at like what Boston's doing. They're still able to have that versatility and that elite defense despite having a, a negative defender like Kyrie Irving or even Terry Rozier mm. as your starting point guard. I think if you've got the other four, you can hide that one guy, you know? 
I'm not too concerned about that. And then you're able to still have Winslow as your secondary ball handler and a guy who is going to participate as much in the offense as anybody else would. Um, and then even a guy like Josh Richardson who could do that as well. We'd like to, see, you know, we did our our exit interview of Josh Richardson already. We've talked about him taking a more aggressive approach on offense as well. So just get, sharing the ball, doing all of that. But I think they're still going to need a lead score from from some place, and and I think you can get away with one non-switchy in the, in the in the sense of the word um, negative defender as long as you've got guys like Richardson, Winslow, and Bam and James Johnson who are able to basically just do everything defensively. Um, yeah, I just again I think Winslow he could be your starting small forward or point guard or whatever it doesn't matter but he can be a big part on both ends of the floor. If you're gonna follow that Celtics model, then yeah, it, it would be okay to have again uh, primarily an offensive minded point guard like Dragic to be the the Kyrie Irving type. Obviously, not as dynamic. As I mean, it's sport. the Boston model, it's the it's the Warriors model, it's the Rockets model. I mean, if the Rockets you've got we're talking about James Harden because Chris Paul is small, but he could switch every position too. He's an un- un- unbelievable defender. And then if you're the Warriors, you've got Curry at that. I mean, it all the the model that is the model. I think is you know you let your point guard be your leader on offense, and then otherwise you've got four. You you surround that player with four guys who can basically just pick up all the other pieces. Then the problem then becomes who you have at the center position. Unfortunately, Adebayo just isn't that kind of playmaker at this point in time. He's just so limited. And I, and I love seeing him work with Rashid Wallace. That's encouraging as hell. But I don't know that it's necessarily going to translate into the kind of offensive versatility that we need he's not gonna he's just gonna be a placeholder out there he's a little bit too rigid offensively he's not comfortable no. in that role just yet and obviously he'll get yeah, there at least that's from faith him. um that's a belief from us and, and and i think from the team but at the same time if you're gonna have him out there and i don't know that again olenic might be that guy he certainly has the the repertoire offensively but i don't know that his defense is, is can, you know if you look at like an al horford type player um yeah obviously olenic is not that type of guy He's like he's smart, but he's just got so many just physical limitations as far as how quick his feet can move and how slow he is. And I, I think it wouldn't be the worst thing, but obviously it would it would put a hard cap on how good Miami's defense could be. I think you're right. Bam would be better defensively, but you might almost be forced to play Olenek at that five spot as as Bam continues to develop. And look, I think if you've got again, if you've got a guy like Kelly Olenek, and and then maybe that changes what you're supposed to, what what you can do with the rest of that starting unit. But, I mean, if we're talking about Justice Winslow here, he allows you to do a lot of different things. And he covers up for a lot of things on defense along with a guy like Josh Richardson. I mean, just those two alone take that defense to the next level, and I think that's why they should start him. Um, but, they're, look, as far as the future goes, should the Heat offer Justice Winslow an extension? Because he's going to be due for one in like the, within the – and he should, he'll be eligible within the first month of the regular season. Now, refresh my memory. If they don't offer him, does he become an automatic free agent? Well, he'll be yeah, a restricted free agent. He would, yeah, okay. He'll then. be a free agent. If they the don't, if they don't extend, if they don't extend them, he'll become a restricted free agent, right. which means that they could match whatever offer theoretically. Yeah, and the risk in doing that is that uh, the offer is too rich because it takes the ball out of their. It doesn't take the ball out of their court, but it would, as far as negotiations, it, it almost certainly does. Um, but they would still have the, like you said, the ability to match. But the extension, like we saw with. With the Heat, what they did with Josh Richardson this last year, because Richardson was a second-round pick, so his rookie deal is one year shorter than a first-round pick and ju- like Justice Winslow's. So they had to offer him an extension this last year, and they ended up inking him for between 11 and $12 million a year, which is going to look like a bargain if, if Josh Richardson keeps on this trajectory. So that would also be the positive of doing that for Justice Winslow, is if you get him now, 
you're getting a guy potentially at a below market price for the foreseeable future, which is extremely important for a team that is looking to make a move not only to get a superstar player, but has a lot of guys on, on the roster who are at best worthy of their contracts, if not overpaid. So, you know, it, it's a, there's a lot of factors here, but also if you're the Heat, do you want to commit that kind of money to Justice Winslow? Or do you want to maybe play it out and see what you could do in the summer of 2019 and maybe save some of that cap space. There's a lot of things that, that have to factor into this decision. And that doesn't even go to, that doesn't even speak for justice Winslow. If he even wants that extension, does, (laughs) does he look at the heat as the team that is best utilizing his skills and a team that he wants to be on? Or would he rather go to a more modern switch oriented team that might be a better fit for him? Yeah, my instinct is to say that Miami should probably offer him that extension because, as you pointed out, that would be able a, a good opportunity to get him potentially for cheap. But at the same time, yeah. I just don't. I, I think you kind of have to wait, though. I think you have to play it cautiously, optimistic that he'll take that step uh, in his development, but not be able to offer him that kind of money and hope for the best uh, the following year because you might want that flexibility. You can't. You can't further handicap yourself. So if I had to make a guess. I wouldn't see him getting that extension. I think Pat Riley um, is probably looking to next summer as a better opportunity to kind of free up some more cap space and not tie it down. If that means you know that Winslow will be a part of that future for lo- the long term, that's fine. But at this point, I don't think you can make that kind of commitment. You've already made that commitment to Richardson, um, and he, he did take a step up overall. Uh, but I don't know that you expect the same kind of growth from Winslow. As much as we'd like to see it and we think it's possible, I don't know that this front office might necessarily feel the same way or that they want to commit. I mean, things have changed now, and I think they want to be able to keep some kind of flexibility going into 2019. And so not paying him that kind of money is probably mm-hmm. the best bet. And, you know, depending on, you know, if they want to be able to use Justice Winslow as a trade chip, him not having that extension would help, right? I mean, it would put if you're if you trade Justice Winslow in the final view of this contract, it allows the the new team to have to have the decision on whether or not they want him to be on the team going forward, or if you know it gives them the option to match and they they get all of his the requisite rights that come with getting that rookie scale deal, right? But again, it'll put the it gives the acquiring team the right to match anything as far as a qualifying offer goes um, and it gives them that decision to make as opposed to trading a player who's already under an extension and kind of takes that decision making power out of the acquiring team's hands so if Pat Riley wants to keep that option of trading Justice Winslow open it might serve him better to not give him the extension uh, I do worry about what Winslow's season looks like without the extension I I feel like he's a a young player who's Confidence is shaky. And I would rather the Heat. I mean, I think there would be. I think there would be positives to the Heat giving him that contract extension, saying, "Look, we're good by you. We trust you. You're a part of. You're a part of the long term plans of this team. Just go out and play. Don't worry about playing in a contract year or what that's going to look like." Um, but they could also do sort of maybe the Kawhi Leonard type of situation where the the Spurs a few seasons back. Um, didn't offer Kawhi the extension, but instead kind of did that wink-wink in the back room sort of thing, like, we're not going to give you the extension because we're trying to maintain cap flexibility to make these other moves. Um, but you're a part of our long-term future, and they made him feel comfortable like that. And, I mean, of course, that thing, that whole situation has seemingly fallen off a cliff hmm. now, but that wasn't the case a few years ago when they made that deal. So maybe it's something 
in between those gray areas um, that the Heat have to do with justice. Yeah, it's it's a risk. So. I mean, look, they they made their bed uh, uh, you know a couple summers ago, and uh, they, now they have to you know sleep in it and figure out what the next step is. And you're looking at a team like Orlando that has to make the decision with Aaron Gordon and. It's, it's something that's uh, it, it bogs a lot of teams down. And, you know, from Orlando's perspective, you know, well, they haven't enjoyed the kind of success that Miami's had, but they're in a similar situation. So it could be far worse, but it's not an enviable situation either for Miami. They have to make a decision. They could they could lose a player that they've had and you know, they've invested four years in. Um, and, you know, it's not who knows what might how it might play out. If I had to guess. Um, I would say that they won't make that extension and they'll try and sign him as a free agent next summer. Yeah, that's probably what I've, I, I'm with you. I think that's what they end up doing. Um, but it also depends a lot on what happens this summer, right? If this team makes a bunch of moves sure. in order to catapult themselves into the, the Eastern Conference conversation and Justice Winslow fits their vision, then we could see him then just offer him the extension and say, you know what, he's part, he's going to be a role player around these these new All-Stars or whatever that we acquired over the summer, however they did it. Yeah. Um, so that'll obviously factor in. Well, I mean, but, if you get LeBron, um, you don't need Justice Winslow as much as you did. If you get LeBron, Justice Winslow would be a great fit next to him, though. Didn't we talk about this already? I think we might have. Um, (laughs) That's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. Send us your questions or comments by emailing us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or using the hashtag AskLOHeat. And support the show by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash LockedOnHeat. Music is courtesy Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, Dave. You got it, Wes.